listening to By the Well, a lectionary-based podcast for preachers recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri people. Greetings, everyone. It's Fran here. And it's Monica. And it is the fourth week in Lent, and Monica and I are going to be exploring uh, Numbers 21, verses for 4 to 9. Psalm 107, verses 1 to 3 and 17 to 22, although naturally probably the whole psalm. <laughs> and the Gospel, which is John three fourteen to 21. So we're well on our journey through Lent. Um, and this reading from the Book of Numbers, uh, well known and with imagery that we find in the John reading with the serpent. Uh, but the book of Numbers, fourth book in the Bible, do you want to give us some um, yeah, context, the Monica? Uh, sure, sure. So so the book of Numbers records for us the, the journey of the people of, uh, of, uh, uh, from Egypt, you know, on t- towards Canaan. And uh, the book of Numbers is known for the fact that, you know, there are two senses uh, that are... Um, Taken one in chapter one and the other one in twenty six, and we are we are informed by virtue of the uh, the mindset and the, the the rebellion or or resistance of the people of Israel during this journey. The generation that left Egypt were were not going to be entering the land of Canaan, mm. but a new generation is being formed. So in a way, uh, the book of Numbers is uh, is. is uh, you know, is stories of coming from this wandering in the wilderness, uh, but it is also the the ground upon which Israel is now being prepared to invade uh, the land of Canaan. And along the way, they meet communities or peoples living in the wilderness. The wilderness is not as barren as we thought no, uh, no. it would be. There, they encounter peoples uh, that they some you know many of whom they don't know. There are altercations, uh, there is violence, there is killing, and so on and so forth. Um, so here we find that just before the story, uh, you know, that we have here in the lectionary today, the people have won a battle and uh, they are happy and they continue on their journey towards and going around Edom towards uh, towards the Reed Sea. And they they are discouraged. We don't, we don't know what caused the discouragement. Uh, maybe they were just tired. Uh, you know, uh, we don't know how much of time had lapsed between the previous encounter uh, with people and now, uh, you know, and now. Um, so the, the discouragement um, results in expression of some... Uh, yeah, disappointment. <laughs> Disc- discontent. I mean, yeah, I was really yeah. struck reading the verses immediately prior to this where, mm. as you say, mm. they have had an encounter but it's also a vicious battle yeah. where they have – the Israelites have mm. killed many Canaanites mm. and so – there must have been a sense of triumph in mm-hmm. the community perhaps that they had achieved this. And as you say, we don't know the, the amount of time between that mm-hmm. event and where we find them here. Yeah, um, yeah. so they, they give expression to their uh, discontent and, you know, complaining against Moses and against God. Uh, and the narrator then tells us that by uh, that God was obviously displeased, and therefore, uh, you know, the, uh, the the camp is plagued by by some poisonous mm. uh, serpents, uh, which results in the death of many many uh, people. And then they go to uh, Moses and they say, "Please intercede for us. Um, we are sorry for what we have said, and uh, save us from these serpents." And so. Uh, Moses intercedes obviously and God instructs him to uh, to 
to cast a serpent uh, out of bronze and put it up on a pole and uh, yeah and the, anyone who's bitten by the serpent will see this bronze serpent and, and be healed yeah, yeah it's a peculiar story we have to admit don't yeah, we yeah it is and i think one needs to have some understanding of of uh, of serpents and what yeah. they represent uh, during uh, you know in in those cultures uh, of course uh, you have serpents also within the hebrew bible starting with genesis you know yeah. the, the the creation story um and there are fiery serpents mentioned in exodus as well yes yes in the, there you have uh, but within the hebrew bible you have you know leviathan and 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 rahab mentioned in isaiah 27 in isaiah 51 uh, they recall serpents from ancient near eastern um, mythology particularly mesopotamian mythology uh, in the in the new testament writings you have uh, uh, also a very negative attitude mm. uh, against serpents religious re- leaders all <laughs> take note religious leaders were called a brood of vipers yes. yeah by john the baptist in matthew chapter 3 and by jesus in matthew chapter 23 so what are they saying when they use this metaphor you know uh, a cunning as a serpent sly uh, is it uh, or well uh, they are deadly if you get bitten by the right one or the wrong one <laughs> yeah. as the case may be i mean i'm right. putting mind i had the um privilege of going to ephesus in turkey last year mm-hmm. and uh saw on one of the carvings mm-hmm. on what was the hospital mm-hmm. in ephesus mm-hmm. was a snake on the stick that classic symbol we are some familiar with for yeah. the medical establishment right, and right. for doctors yeah and be, you know it's a symbol of renewal and rejuvenation presumably because snakes shed their skins yes um so that's another you know Yeah yeah I think uh, the bronze the bronze uh, serpent in the uh, in the uh, in the numbers text in a way um uh you know count is is you know showcases the serpent as one that is that causes death uh, but it is also uh, a means for survival and uh, this uh, f- uh, you know in in a way overshadows uh, a greek legend of uh, I can't r- pronounce the name very well pardon me but as asclepius yes, you know the greek god yeah means hospital i think but yeah oh. the greek god of healing who gave the medical profession mm-hmm. its emblem and that's the emblem you're describing yes. here so uh, so uh, i can think of the fact that in india the snake is is worshiped and revered mm-hmm. and so people there are people of course who kill snakes but there are others who will respect them mm. and feed them you know uh, certain kinds of snakes so uh, so therefore uh, you know snakes have uh, have uh, um, a lot of meaning for people uh, either as uh, as symbols of fear or symbols of uh, of healing Uh, and that is what you see in this in uh, this in one this yeah i mean the paradox seems to be that where the people must look is the form that they're looking at is actually um where their distress came from mm. <laughs> sort of so there's something about the paradox of the salvation in the pain or something mm. or that that the hope arises for god delivers hope but doesn't remove you know doesn't remove you from the disaster yeah something yeah yeah that. so so you know you would you would assume that once they cried out to god and uh, on account of moses's intercession the snakes would disappear and people would mm. stop dying but no uh, what happens is that you know a serpent is a bronze serpent is erected and people are 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 having to look Yeah, at this in order to if you're bitten go and look yeah, at the snake yeah there's snakes. still snakes slithering yeah. around their feet feet right 
Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, again, uh, you know, I, I call attention to a paper presented by Sione Javier where he where he says uh, that these uh, these snakes are still there. And one needs to think about how where was this bronze serpent erected? Uh, the camp was huge. <laughs> how, you know, was there enough time for someone bitten at the outer edge of the camp to get to the bronze serpent to be healed? How soon would you have to mm. look at it and how poisonous were these snakes? So there are all these practical things that your imagination might recall uh, you know or 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 contribute to you know you you question you mm. know some practical details but anyway we don't have answers no, to those questions what's going through my mind is it's the Lord, the lord's prayer lead us in the time of trial mm. that is lead us in the time of trial not lead us from from that mm. is we know that times of trial are part and parcel of being mm-hmm. human. Mm. Please be with us amongst that, mm-hmm. not lead us from, which yeah. is... Okay. Now, there are other key... of Lots of key mm. motifs in this passage. Mm. Hunger and complaint. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, I find that a little... Um, disturbing <laughs> uh, you know uh, I, I mean a text like this uh, and and other stories where the people complain about food uh, is uh, is you know is significant in the sense that uh, this is a basic need uh, mm. for people and uh, people complain when food is not good yeah if, you're, tap- <laughs> yeah, if you're running an event yep and everything's great about the content, but the food's not good. Mm. No. But also, perhaps if the event's average, but the food's fantastic, yep, you'll yep, still yep. have happy people, right? <laughs> and so, and so the, 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 these people complain, and I and I just wonder why that might have roused uh, God's oh, yeah. anger mm. or or Moses's anger, because complaint is a tradition that is. Uh, uh, that's quite quite common <laughs> uh, within the Hebrew Bible. You see that all over the Psalms, where people are complaining to God about all kinds mm. of things. Mm. You know, so complaint in and of itself, or resistance to something that seems unfair, is is in it's, in and of itself not bad. It's legitimate. Yeah. And, and and in the past, when they've complained in this in this Pentateuch here, they've mm. the Israelites have been given what they mm. asked for, mm. like manna and mm. yeah. But here, not so much. But not so yeah. much. Yes. So, so the uh, I'm just wondering, therefore, if uh, if it was not the complaint against the food uh, that uh, that Moses and God were reacting to, but uh, maybe it's a questioning of Moses's leadership, perhaps, or even God's leadership, or just people's uh, um, inability to acknowledge the good mm. that is being done mm. for them uh, by Moses and by God. It it could be. Any number of other reasons. Uh, unfortunately, the text doesn't give us the uh, the the verbatim uh, complaint uh, of the complaint. You know. I mean, when I when I try not to well, I'm trying not to psychologize all of this too much. But it is also true that when you are in a leadership position over a group of people, in particular, where you're leading them through a transition or a change or an upheaval in the community, complaint is part and parcel of mm-hmm. what you're going to get. Yes. <laughs> so there's a some level, you know. That's what we do. do. We want, you know, and as we know, they can. The Israelites want to hark back to the to the oppression under Egypt because mm. at least that was familiar, right? You know, right? <laughs> it's it's a it's a democratic way of functioning. Yeah, it's just a human, <laughs> yeah, and a human response to something uh, that is not uh, good or mm. or comfortable. Um, but I think it's uh, you know uh, I think uh, last night as I was reflecting on this text I was also thinking about how important uh, nourishment and sustenance of the body is in 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 the struggle for liberation or in the struggle for freedom 
um, and for and for community. You know, if your body is not comfortable. Uh, is, if your body is not satisfied, uh, there is a way in which people complain. Uh, oh, yeah, you just look at an infant who has the least development to be able to articulate anything. It's mm. awful. Yep, <laughs> a screaming, hungry baby. Baby, yeah, so, so distressing to anyone right, listening. Right, right, and and you know, uh, I digress a little bit, but it brought back images for me of people in Gaza at the mm. moment, uh, and the. Uh, and the starvation that they are experiencing and how they are having to make do with, uh, you know, animal feed uh, or fodder and, and, and weeds and, you know, and to, to create something that is, uh, uh, that's edible for, for, for their crying children, you know. And just the search for food is resulting in death as what, you know, happened On just yes- yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Yes. Yeah. 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 Now... I think we might be, might be time to move on to Psalm one oh seven, Monica. Do you mm. agree? Yes. Just one more thought. Oh, I yes, think it's absolutely. important also to uh, to see that uh, to mention the fact that the people were to look at the serpent, you know, in uh, the bronze serpent, yeah. uh, for them uh, to be um, to be healed. And what does this looking entail? Is it just looking? Yes. Or, or is it more more than just you know visual? interaction with the with the bronze serpent just just a question out mm. there yeah i mean people sometimes do talk talk about sort of making an idol here mm. you know and that's what the, the decalogue mm. says you're not meant yeah. to do that but actually it's not a symbol of god the serpent is it? well it was made a symbol of god and so later on in the history of israel we hear about the serpent being uh, bringing oh, okay. being demolished yeah, yeah. or broken into speed or into into pieces right. uh, so therefore uh, you know the, yeah, the, it led to uh, the uh, idolization, you mm. know, of uh, of the serpent. But what does this what does this looking entail? And I think we need to uh, we need to think about that. Yeah, for me, then that sentence, the whoever is the most mm. important thing. There's okay. something very um, universal about that. Mm. You know, whoever looks upon this mm-hmm. will live. Mm. To that extent, looking is not a hard thing. Like that's pretty. Anyone can. I mean, look up and. Mm-hmm. Mm. So there's there's something about the universal invitation to look to look. Okay, I could say more, but maybe we another might time. Another, next, yeah, next next time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Psalm one oh seven one to three, and then seventeen to twenty two. So this psalm, Monica, is, is the beginning of book five. Yes, it is, and it is the the beginning of the largest section of the of the of the Psalter, mm-hmm. uh, as you say, book five. And one can see connections if one reads carefully between Psalm one hundred six uh, and one hundred seven. Uh, but the psalm is, uh, uh, as an opener to book five, is an invitation to thanksgiving, um, and uh, it lists. The varied, uh, the various kinds of experiences that people go through, uh, and why they and how they have been rescued from those uh, moments of danger, and you know how why they should be uh, thankful to God. So it's an invitation to be thankful, and there's an emphasis here on the steadfast love of God. You know, why do we need to be thankful? Because God has been steadfast in God's love, and God has rescued you from all these various kinds of uh, of dangers. So, in the uh, in the first three uh, first three verses, we you know the the, uh, the 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 invitation is there. Let let all who have uh, 
who have experienced the steadfast love of God. Let all those who have been redeemed be thankful. And um, yeah, uh, be thankful to God. Yes. And we can see then already in that summary alone why the lectionary might have paired this psalm then with the numbers passage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People in a predicament of great hunger, we said some sort of distress or. Um, yeah, disgruntlement, and, have, yeah. and they have been led in a manner of speaking. They have been delivered, delivered from. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, they have, they have experienced some sort of deliverance, uh, and so the psalm gives. Uh, you know, in those sections of the psalm that have been left out, there are examples uh, which are uh, which which which. Uh, which narrate, you know, or like, sorry, the psalm gives us examples of the kinds of deliverance that, peop- that people have experienced. It's quite visceral description too of, the, of human suffering and, mm. and, um, and ordeals in this psalm, mm. uh, not unusually for a psalm. Mm. Yeah, so the first, uh, the, the first one is, um, um, is a reference to people who have been, you know, lost in the desert, are hungry and thirsty. Uh, let mm. them give thanks to the Lord uh, you know, because God has found them and has fed them. And who might they be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, and this is followed by prisoners who have been forgiven and rescued or saved, uh, um, and so on. So we, and then we come to this second part of the lectionary reading, which is verses seventeen to twenty-two, uh, which calls attention to the sick uh, who who have become ill because of their sins. You know, so what these sins are, of course, the psalm doesn't tell us. Uh, but obviously, a connection is being made, uh, or a correlation is being made between between sin and suffering, which is also the uh, the conclusion that the, the the wandering Israelites came came to. You know, that because of their sin of disobedience or questioning or or rebellion, that that they were being punished by the uh, by the serpents and so uh, so here the, those who have become ill because of their sin are near death and they have prayed to the lord and and have found healing and so they are all asked to thank god as well but what is what is really significant in those three a uh, few verses between 17 and 22 that there is a call for a verbal utterance of thankfulness to God, but there's something else, and if you uh, and and what and that is offering of sacrifices, a thank offering, mm. make a thank offering, uh, and 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 to sing stories of what the Lord has done, you know, um, and and so uh, the the uh, uh, it is interesting because uh, because. It, it 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 alludes to uh, to uh, Le- Leviticus chapter seven verses fifteen to eighteen, uh, which also uh, reiterates this uh, notion of uh, offering sa- thank offerings, what what it involves, what is uh, what is required. Um, I don't know what are the varied ways in which one could give thanks to God. You know. Um, well, I was immediately thinking liturgically when you were speaking. You know. Um, Obviously, there's use of this psalm in the liturgy in that way. Um, but our giving of an offering weekly in the liturgy, and that offering is, if it's done correctly in my view, it's not just monetary, it's the gift of oneself and one's skills or one's time and so on. Mm. Um, it's not, I mean, is that the sacrifice you think you're talking about? Is that 
okay to talk that way? No, I, 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 I yes, it is okay. I think I agree with you. We have, uh, we are no, we, we do not live in the age of animal uh, or other kinds of sacrifices anymore. Um, of course, there are some cultures or some religions where that might be called for, but, um, but we are, we don't, uh, we don't. We don't do that anymore. But I'm thinking of experiences of people who have, uh, uh, who have, uh, you know, experienced God, uh, God's deliverance uh, in India, and they will put up a note in the newspaper oh. in in Thanksgiving to, and it's usually Christians, meaning Catholics, yeah, yeah. you know, and they are honoring either infant Jesus or Ma- Ma- Mary, the mother of Jesus, or Jesus uh, himself, uh, you know, the, uh, the crucified uh, and resurrected. Uh, for for uh, mercies mm. and for God's compassion for he and it could be healing from illness it could be even a simple thing as getting a job mm. uh, but they will publicly proclaimed their thankfulness to God uh, for 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 this experience of, of uh, deliverance which I've seen people do on social media as well I have mm. to confess a sense of uh, discomfort oh, but okay <laughs> no because I'm not used yeah. to that yeah. Yeah, but, but you're right. There's an exuberance yeah. called for. I mean, I I wonder. I mean, we're in the season of Lent, so for me, when I was reading this psalm, I was really struck particularly by that Lenten theme in particular around sin, obviously, but mm. also the relationship with sin and suffering, and how Lent we're called to look. Upon oneself, we look upon ourselves and to recognise ways in which we fall short. Mm. Um, and there is that bind about how much we we might contribute to our own predicaments mm-hmm. and all of that. So for me that was what stood out in this passage, mm-hmm. not so much the thankfulness if yeah. that's not being... Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Uh, no, I, I I agree with you. I guess in 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 the season of Lent, we need to we need to call attention to to that yeah. as well. Um, but you know, we we don't live in the season of Lent. We we anticipate the come uh, the the resurrection well, and I, the time of Thanksgiving yes, and which, celebration, which we're doing on a Sunday, Sunday. anyway. Yeah. So you're, yeah. you're right. Yeah, we do it. We're post Christian. We're Post resurrection. So, so I think yeah. in in a way the psalm is is uh, is uh, saying that both, you know, repentance and uh, uh, and and off and thanksgiving are two sides two of the same side, coin yes, of the yes. same coin. And and, uh, and you know this is getting a bit Pauline perhaps, mm-hmm. but it's the experience of blessing and grace mm-hmm. that makes one realize where one might have gone wrong mm-hmm. or where you know one has been. Yeah, where might have gone one gone wrong, and then there's recognition, and then there's repentance, and then there's forgiveness, yeah. and then you get the joy and the thanksgiving and the right. grace again. Right. I mean, you know, I think our twenty first century minds would always think rationally, and there's always a cause, and there's, there's yeah, an yeah. effect, and and so uh, I think what 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 the, what the psalm is calling for is this awareness that sometimes we, uh, you know, uh, can contribute to our own. <laughs> <laughs> uh, discomfort or mm. illness uh, mm. by virtue of something that we have done, mm. um, and and just to be aware of that. Yeah, I yeah. Guess. I mean, pastorally, yeah. obviously, uh, yeah. there's some really dreadful connections that can be made Nay. there that are deeply um, painful and sure, wrong, sure. basically wrong. Yes. <laughs> now we're running out of time, time, so I think we'll need to leave the psalm at that point, and okay. we'll move on to John chapter three, verses fourteen to twenty-one. 
very familiar verse, well, passage in general, but John 3.16 is one Mm. of those ones that we know so well and Mm. perhaps gloss over a bit. Mm. But this selectionary passage has us landing in the middle, really, of the dialogue between Nicodemus and Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, Nicodemus, a rabbi who takes Jesus to be just another rabbi and trying to understand what on earth being born from above um, is Mm. and what internal life is. Mm. Um, And we can see... Clearly, why the lectionaries put this one in because um, there's a reference to the Moses lifting up the serpent from Numbers, and in yeah. a sense, as Christians, we can't read Numbers without knowing this John passage is right. in, you know, and right. dealing with both of them together. Mm-hmm. I think it would be, um, yeah, if you if you're having both of them read, you'll mm. need to preach referring to both of them. Right. Right. Yeah, because uh, you know, otherwise uh, the the reference to the serpent in 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 the John text will make no sense. Yes. So you have to know a little bit about what happened in the book of Numbers yeah, uh, yeah. to understand this passage. But what kind of correlations do people usually make between these two texts? You know, other than the fact that the serpent that, is yeah, mentioned that in both. Sort of simplistic yeah. one. I mean, yeah. I would hope that a preacher would. Um, Look at that phrase "lifted up," mm-hmm. as is used by the writer of John here. Mm-hmm. Um, now, for John, the resurrection—I mean, the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension—are all one thing, and the exaltation is the glorification of the Son of Man in all those events. So, mm-hmm. it's both crucifixion and resurrection. Mm-hmm. So, already there's something deeply paradoxical going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, about what lifted mm. up onto the cross, but mm. also lifted up mm. as God's son, redeeming all and bringing light and life. Mm. Um, so that that's what I would hope. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for for me, what uh, what is uh, you know uh, um, what is important also is the, the this this famous verse that basically every Christian will know. What is the one? verse that you know in the Bible, then maybe, you know... Lord, apart from the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> yes, of course. They would perhaps, you know, uh, recite John 3.16. Mm. Uh, I, in fact, know a man in, in Bangalore whose father named him John 3.16. Poor guy. <laughs> wow. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I may have mentioned this before. So um, Not to me, you haven't. That's okay. incredible. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so this this verse, of course, uh, is uh, is very significant mm. for for a lot of uh, for a lot of people, and um, and well known. And its translation has created uh, um, some ambiguity, you know, concerns about who is it that is uh, that is deserving of God's salvation. You know, um, is it uh, who will uh, you know, for God so loved the world that. Uh, um, he gave, you know, yeah, he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believes believes in him will have eternal life, shall have eternal life, may have eternal life. Which is what the NRSV has. May yeah, have eternal yeah. Life. So just compare translations and see how that last part of the verse is translated, uh, and how do you, you know, what what word do you think is the most suitable? May, shall, will. Well, verse four yeah. fifteen. It's a repetition of verse fifteen. So mm-hmm. the man, son of man's lifted up that whoever believes in him may may have eternal life. That's repeated. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. I'm struck there by the verb action. Like I'm always wanting to look at the verbs in these passages. What is God doing and mm-hmm. so on? But not whoever has belief, mm-hmm. but whoever is dynamically mm-hmm. um, engaged with this living God. Mm-hmm. Um, 
open to new possibilities, questioning, mm. um, you know, that's quite an inviting dynamic thing mm. rather than whoever has belief or mm. whoever has signed mm. on this dotted line. Yeah. Um, but so I see a universalism here. Okay. Actually. Yeah, you you see universalism. Uh, I have read some commentaries that uh, say that this is, this is about personal salvation, mm. uh, that every individual has to has to believe <laughs> uh, uh, and and so therefore the salvation is only given to the individual and not to mm-hmm. uh, not to those so whoever believes me again it's individuals right yeah. well I would vehemently disagree with that then. commentary if okay. I may but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 that's fine you're entitled by, to that by, um, yeah. by reflecting on the wider gospel and letting that interpret this mm. passage as yeah. well um, yeah. but then I wouldn't also I mean it's that thing it can be both and can't it like we are called to respond. I mean, mm. all of John's gospel is, you know, you've got the world who won't accept Jesus and, mm. you know, loves darkness mm-hmm. and so on. Mm. Uh, and then the purpose of the gospel in chapter 20 is, you know, I'm writing all this so that you will come to believe that this will be the light. So, mm. of course, it's seeking our response. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also really am wired to be a bit suspicious of the Western individualism that has formed me and letting that lens read this text like that. My heart warms to what you're saying, Fran, Uh, but I think the preacher needs to to wrestle with this, you know, uh, with the the passage and, you know... uh, uh, because I have I have had sometimes you know preached a sermon that emphasizes this universal salvation or corporate salvation, and I've had people come up to me and and uh, challenge me on that uh, on that notion. So I think, uh, mm, oh, yeah, well, okay. Yep. <laughs> See, tell us what happens, everyone. Yeah. Um, and also, we're not looking at Ephesians chapter in this episode because we are rapidly running out of time. Mm. But if you're wanting to look at what is salvation, like how you talk about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What on earth is it from or for? Mm. The Ephesians passage has a wealth of um, input to mm. put yeah. into that question. Yeah. The other one I would highlight here is eternal life mm. and that that is a qualitative thing now in time mm. in everyday life mm-hmm. and not that thing that, you know, happens after death. No. And no. that John is very clear about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's so much here. We haven't touched on it. Nearly all of them. I suppose I want to finish at the 30-minute mark by mm. just mentioning this, the role of the, the light and darkness dynamic and how light is this paradoxical thing that both reveals, mm-hmm. casts shadows and blinds mm-hmm. and that we have, you know, um, the light of the burning bush but, the, but you can't look at it but then God's revealed through mm. it um, and that that dynamic is playing in John's Gospel generally in regards to Jesus. Um, and in that sense, the dark things that are exposed and the cross is that dark, dark thing that the yeah. world has done. Yeah, I mean, we when we look at the cross, we often, you know, uh, in a way it's become a fetish for a lot of Christians and, and the cross is uplifted as a, as a symbol of God's uh, salvation and God's sacrifice. But I think this the, the, the cross in and of itself is also a very violent symbol and besides Jesus, there were lots of people who were crucified, you know, during those times. Um, and so uh, the cross is also a symbol of death. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and again, that paradox about light and darkness, you know, death and healing, death and salvation, uh, I think is is something that can be um, uh, 
um, expanded or uh, or looked at, you know, uh, in relation to the cross. Because mm. the empty cross is, is it not, light shining from darkness in this in the resurrection mm. 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 for us. Yeah. Thank you, Monica. We've Thank you. <laughs> more than done enough. Thanks for listening, everyone. By the Well is brought to you by Pilgrim Theological College and the Uniting Church in Australia. It's produced by Adrian Jackson. Thanks for listening.